welcome to Housewives and Me, a podcast about why we love the Real Housewives. I'm your host, Connor Bean, and welcome back for another brand new episode, chatting to someone who's managed to watch literally hundreds of hours of Real Housewives, and of course, talks at Love Island as well. It is the amazing Orla Condon. We had such an interesting chat, and I'm truly amazed that she's uh, so on top of two <laughs> very different reality TV phenomenons, however you say that. So if you are a Love Island person, I think this might be the episode for you. And if you're not, don't worry, there's lots of housewives chats as well. When Orla was uh, speaking to me, it was a, a few weeks ago, we weren't quite sure when Love Island would be back, but of course we know now. This week it has made its grand return, so it feels like the perfect time for us to unleash this interview that I did with Orla, who covers lots of ground in this chat. So without any further ado, here is Orla Condon on Housewives and Me. My guest today is a content editor. You've heard her chatting about pop culture on telly on places like FM 104 and on 2FM as well. And she is the host of the super popular Love Island podcast, My Pod and Paper. And if one reality TV phenomenon wasn't enough, she's also a massive fan of Real Housewives. Orla Condon, welcome to Housewives and Me. Thanks, Connor. I'm so excited. I just am so excited. I can't tell you how great it is to be joining this elite group of housewives, <laughs> super fans. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just buzzed to talk about it. I'm very excited to have you here because I'm always so interested when people who are massively or who talk about another reality show franchise come to Housewives because I'm like, oh my God, they're going to have so much compare and contrast. So you did mention when I was uh, emailing you about coming on, you casually referenced the 600 plus episodes you watched of Housewives. So I want to rewind slightly and find out how you got started and do we know what that number is now? I would say we're sitting around the 700 mark now. Um, I I haven't done the latest maths on it, but that would be my rough guesstimate that I'm, I'm probably nearing it, if not just surpassed it. Um, which I think is just a great uh, sign of what I've been doing with my lockdowns. <laughs> absolutely diving into these women who I'm now just grossly obsessed with. Um, but yeah, I started watching it, I suppose. I'm, I'm a blow-in, as Louise McSharry would say. Um, I started watching it when it arrived on Netflix last year. Um, and my cousin Daniel is like the ultimate housewife super fan. He's watched it for years and years and years and would always be on to me like, you need to watch it. Like, it's embarrassing that you haven't watched it. You just, you can't call yourself a reality TV fan if you don't watch this show. Um, and I hadn't. And then when it came to Netflix, it was the perfect excuse for me to to dip the toe in and see how I felt about it. Um, and I was kind of humming and hawing between Beverly Hills and New York. And I said, look, I'll do one of each and we can kind of flip back and forth. And then as soon as I'd finished those two seasons that were on Netflix at the time, I was like, right, where's Hey You? Let me download this thing. Let me dive in. Let's start embracing more cities. Like, let's just go in. So yeah, I'm five cities in now, about 700 episodes. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I would say I'm embarrassed, but also I'm incredibly delighted to have spent the time watching them. So I can't really say I'm embarrassed. I just, when you say 700 episodes, I'm just doing the maths of... Like how? <laughs> like how? Did you just have it on constantly? Yeah, it, it hits about eight o'clock, and me and my girlfriend are like, "We throw on the girls. <laughs> Let's check oh in and see how they're doing." We went, we went away this weekend actually for our first like holiday or hotel kind of stay since things have opened up, and we were just like, "God, it's so boring watching regular television. We just really wanted to be watching the girls." So yeah, just, <laughs> it's been great. Um, I feel like I know them all personally. It's been great. I love how you say the girls like do you feel kind of like they're your extended friend group now particularly when you can't maybe see well you can't now but we haven't been able to see friends that easily yeah like they they have become kind of a surrogate like group chat you know what I mean like I'm getting so like it's I'm getting so invested in the drama and, and I know you've had a few guests on who've watched it like I have kind of over lockdown quite like back to back and it's there's an intensity with watching it back to back where you know your anger levels build up quicker than week to week <laughs> I'm now experiencing watching New York and Beverly Hills week to week um it's it's such a different uh vibe like people who are annoying in a season are so much more annoying when you're watching three or four episodes a night or whatever it might be um so yeah I feel like I the investment I've put into these these situations and these women over the last 12 months is probably unhealthy um but I'm not going to stop now so (laughs) I love it that's such an interesting point that you find like the head wrecker characters even worse whereas I would have the release valve of well I've had a whole week of not being annoyed by you whereas you're being annoyed like for hours on end yeah and you don't have the context as well I guess 
I mean, I say at the minute, the in New York where we are at the minute is, you know, the the Hamptons trip and it's the Leah Heather drama and Ebony Luan and all that kind of stuff. And because I'm watching it week to week, I'm seeing the context that's being given by Leah and Heather and all these people on social media and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, what happened in filming and when did they get shut down and all this. Whereas when you're watching it back to back, you're not going to go back and read old page six articles about what happened at the time or whatever. So you're kind of, you're served the show as it is and you don't get all the other stories stuff to kind of help you form a more rounded idea of what's going on so when the producers are deciding right okay um Luan is getting the villain edit in season whatever then you're totally buying into it because you're not getting that kind of escape to like take a couple of days to be like okay well I wouldn't have handled it like this or seeing a statement from her or whatever it might be so you just kind of buy the show they're selling you and it's great but also I'm really enjoying seeing that other side of things now that it's airing week to week for me. Yeah, I always notice such a contrast if someone tells me they're like maybe three or four seasons behind on a long running show like Beverly Hills in New York and they'll message me and go, I love X and I really hate so-and-so. And I literally am like, oh, that's literally going to turn its head. Yeah. You're going to actually love that person and hate the other and it's all going to change. Do you, is it frustrating watching it weekly when there's just the one new episode of each city or is it nice to actually know that it's going to last for months and months and months? Um, it's it's nice to be watching it along with the fandom and along with the kind of Twitter commentary and all that because that's one of the things I love about Love Island is that kind of community built around the show. So it's nice to be able to kind of dip into that aspect of it as well and like you know read the read the latest spills on different websites or whatever. But it definitely like the episodes are so short, like you're kind of barely sitting down into it, and all of a sudden next week on <laughs> Real Housewives New York, and you're like, hold yeah. on, you're joking, forty minutes? That's all I'm getting. So it's, mm. it's very different um but yeah it's nice to have caught up and and be watching week to week and as I'm watching new episodes of New York and Beverly Hills I'm still watching old episodes of New Jersey so I'm still getting that kind of binge on that on that city so I'm getting the best of both worlds like there's no shortage of of real housewives content you know what I mean so you're watching Beverly Hills in New York a lot well kind of as they air now having caught up like before these new seasons I mean that's a lot to watch in a short space of time how has your have your feelings about either show changed or shifted as you've watched a lot of it in succession and when you start adding different cities to it as well and you start comparing kind of the way they work like we always find ourselves saying when we're watching new york or we're watching potomac or whatever we always find ourselves saying you just wouldn't see that on beverly hills you just wouldn't see it on beverly hills because beverly hills is kind of a different it's a different beast. It's kind of way more about the glamour. As you, I feel like I'm talking to the converted, but it's, you know, it's about the glamour and it's about the lifestyle and it's about, you know, the portrayal of their wealth and their careers and all this stuff. Whereas I feel like in New York, you know, you're, the ladies are way more willing to fall into a hedge or, you know, have a one night stand and stuff like this. So we always find ourselves saying that, like it's, oh, you'd never see it on Beverly Hills. Um, but I, I've enjoyed watching as I binge the, the kind of peaks and troughs throughout the the shows run, especially seasons like Beverly Hills in New York, where there's kind of, you know, 10 plus seasons. You can really see where there's weak points and there's strong seasons and stuff like that. Um, and definitely like there's there's characters as well who Sonia to me is someone who who I've had kind of a weird turbulent time with with my pal Sonia <laughs> and she's she's one that I adored like as soon as she came in I adored her she's brilliant she's great crack she's gas her her comic timing is brilliant she's just a great addition to the show and in the last couple of seasons I just felt really disappointed by how she was how she was being presented to us I just felt like we weren't getting any crack from her it she kind of was almost irrelevant to the storyline you know at reunions she was just kind of parroting what Dorinda said and just random stuff like that and even the first few episodes of the new season I was like Sonia's got to go like she's not been doing anything to like adds she's not adding anything to the series anymore which I hate to say because I love her and then in the last couple of episodes where these conversations are happening between Ebony and Luann and Sonia's being given the space to actually participate in the conversation and add something to the conversation we're getting glimpses of the Sonia that we saw on Scary Island when she was able to understand what was happening Kelly and was talking Bethany down and that character that's well-rounded and can be a drunken mess one night but can also be a gas bitch the next morning but can also be the voice of reason and so I'm really hoping that they allow her to continue kind of having these story arcs and not just being this kind of I don't know, this kind of mess of a woman that they're portraying her as being, which she can't be because she's, I mean, she's doing relatively well. So 
Um, I find that really interesting. And, and when you're watching it really closely together, you see those th- those waves move really quickly. So it's easier to spot them, I guess. Sonia really illustrates that kind of like the light and shade and how certain like houseways can become parodies themselves. And then they have a moment where like the real them kind of cracks through and you kind of, even though, as you say, you can watch them for years or it's been years in your case, but years squeezed into a year. <laughs> yeah. You do take on like you do kind of realize, oh, there's more to this person than meets the eye. So what? So I think you told me you watch Salt Lake City, Jersey, Potomac as well. So are those the other three cities that you've delved into? Yeah. So I'm, I'm up to date on Beverly Hills, New York, Potomac, and Salt Lake City, and I'm on season. I'm nearly finishing season four of New Jersey, so it's it's getting to the kind of you know Teresa Caroline Manzo. Uh, you know the, the battle of the matriarchs that's where I am now in in New Jersey and I think I've watched the first season of Atlanta but it didn't I, I just didn't latch onto it and I I was just after watching Beverly Hills in New York so really long series um, and my my cousin was like just watch Potomac you'll love it and I watched Potomac and that's I would say that's probably my favorite city now um, but I, I'm gonna jump back into Atlanta next I think it's just I couldn't face another like 10 plus seasons after doing it um, but yeah, no, I'm excited to keep adding to the to the repertoire. So why is Potomac your favourite so far? I just think um, the girls understand the assignment. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? They just get, <laughs> they get that they're a part of a show that there's no holds barred. And uh, I, I just think so. I just think the, the cast is really great. I think they've had a really great evolution from what was a really weak first season, like a really terrible first season where they were all going into the reunion, giving it the big and like Giselle, I think said at the reunion, you know, uh, Andy asked her something like, you know, what, what do you think viewers made of the first season of Real Housewives of Potomac? And Giselle said something ballsy, like they thought this was the best season of Real Housewives ever. And it was awful. It was just so boring. Nothing happened. Um, And then season two picked up a little bit with Monique coming in. And I just think season three, four and five, it's just the pace is great. There's a great blend of kind of high drama, intense arguments between Candace and everybody. And also light moments of comedy where, you know, Karen's trying to fix her wig and, and Giselle and Robin are being a bit shady, but kind of innocently. And I just think it's got a really good blend of stuff. And there's also some just chaotic storylines like Michael and Ashley's relationship and you know uh, Karen and and her husband and and the financial difficulties they had and Robin and Juan's relationship I just think there's so many elements to it that you get a lot of bang for your buck and I just think uh, the, the, the advertising for the new season you know Don't Sleep on Potomac I think is great because I think there's a lot of people who probably aren't watching it like a lot of newbies like me who I talk about this with in the DMs constantly are a little bit hesitant to to pick up on Potomac I think because there's been no you know huge stars or loads of memes or, or that kind of stuff but I just think for five seasons you've gotten so much good stuff in that five seasons I think Potomac too in an odd way harkens back to the early days of Housewives in a good sense in that it definitely feels more organic and less like they're as much as you were saying they're aware they're on a show I also feel like celebrity and like pop culture hasn't infiltrated their world too much where it does feel like you're surprised by Potomac whereas I love New York and Beverly Hills but they are like picked up in stories by Entertainment Online and Page Six so like sometimes you're watching those shows to hear the other side of a, of a scandal whereas Potomac always has these surprising moments where you're like oh my god that was happening yeah no for sure and I, I think I, I guess I mean what I what I mean by them kind of knowing they're on a show is I, I, I guess I feel from the ladies that they understand that the show is your life and you have to t- bring it all to the table and mm. you know if you've beef with someone there's no point going home and just bitching to your mate about it you gotta air it out that's the whole point of being here and I feel like they get that like they've all been Karen I mean, I mean has been shady about the finances and stuff like that um, but generally the women I mean Ashley is one of the most honest housewives I think I have seen in in, in my five, c- five c- cities that I watch um, and I just I just appreciate that I guess it's frustrating to watch um to watch Real Housewives when say for example Erica Jane and, and she's been like this the whole time she's been on the show and I know the documentary has aired I haven't yet seen it but you know withholding information that is kind of out there and people know about when you're on a show about your life there's just no excuses anymore this thing like Lisa Rinna saying you know why do we have to be honest after seasons and seasons of just be honest just be like just own it um, it's frustrating and I feel like Potomac is probably one of the most authentic casts in that they do mostly own and air 
dirty laundry and all, um, which I fully appreciate. And I cannot wait for the new season because the, the teasers are just brilliant. I mean, from one city that where they do definitely go there to another that you're sort of early on in your journey with is New Jersey, which I mean, I'm a bit of a fake fan that I watched season one and two of Jersey and then I hop back on around like season no, seven or eight. Seven or eight. So, I know, like I do want to, I want to go back and watch seasons three to five. I've heard six is muck. Six is one of those housewife seasons that even Andy's like, yeah, you can skip that one. Yeah. Um, I do want to go back, but I'm so curious what you make of New Jersey because it's so, it stands up, like all the cities have a different flavor, but I think New Jersey in particular is so about family and husbands and, and everybody's so intertwined. I'm curious how it contrasts, given that you've been watching such different cities up until now. Yeah, it's very different. Um, which I, I guess, I wonder, was that kind of a deliberate decision that they made, being that New Jersey and New York are so close in proximity, and how could they visually make it look or, or sound very different? Like, I wonder, was that kind of a conscious decision? Like, how can we adapt kind of casting or whatever to, to make it more unique to the area I, I could be just pulling out of my hole there but um I do I love the family aspect I love and I love that about Beverly Hills as well with Kyle and Kim and now Kathy and because there's there's a level that family will go to both to defend family and to hurt family that friends just won't go there um and it's really interesting now I I mean I'm obviously just at the moment where kind of Car- their Caroline and, and Teresa's friendship is kind of falling apart and Jacqueline and Caroline or Jacqueline and Teresa are trying to find a way back to the friendship that they had Dina has long gone from the series obviously um but I'm also aware of where we are now in the conversation with Caroline and Dina and all that's going on there and you know the fact that Jacqueline and Teresa's relationship has fallen apart and so it's interesting watching it knowing where they're going to get to um but I love seeing the kids and stuff like I love seeing Caroline Manzo's children in it um I love seeing her brothers and and meeting her kind of extended family um and then Teresa's kids who are just like wild animals um are great um so yeah it's it's totally different um but it's very interesting especially with the the conversations that's happened in the last couple of days with the the Erica Jane documentary and Daniel Staub coming out and talking about you know Bravo paying these people who have criminal pasts and all this kind of stuff um I'm really excited to see how that conversation lines up with the show um over the next kind of couple of months um while also myself getting the back history of of kind of we're just heading into Teresa's legal drama now really it's it's getting to the time where her and Joe plead guilty so I'm just getting to that and I think early season five is where that kicks off so I'm really excited to get that history while also seeing it play out in real time We've got these long-standing housewife shows that you're like discovering and going deep on, but also you mentioned Salt Lake City, which is a kind of not a one-season wonder because it's coming back, but we've only had one season so far. I'm curious if you how you think it compares to the long-standing shows, and is it a good entry point for kind of newcomers? I don't know. Is it a good entry point? Because I just feel like for me, if if I had access to all of them from the beginning, um, I don't think I would have started with a shorter season like Salt Lake City because I just think it's built off the back of long running series like New Jersey's Atlanta, New York, and the, and those ones. Um, but it definitely is again a very different series to the rest. Um, I didn't like love the cast. I didn't like fall in love with the women. I didn't. There was something about. I enjoyed it and I thought it was a really strong season. And I think there were definitely really interesting conversations in it. And definitely the the uh, legal issues with Jen Shaw and seeing how that plays out on season two and just seeing how she's like trying to PR her way out of it on Instagram is just like disgustingly interesting um but I don't know if there's a feeling because there's kind of a familiarity you get with the housewives right like after a while you kind of feel this thing of like oh well they used to be friends and not anymore and that's her ex-husband but they get on well for the kids and all this kind of stuff that you know about and I I don't know if I feel that familiarity with Salt Lake City yet. Um, I loved Heather and I, I loved her kind of contribution to the show and um, and I love watching her kind of overcome difficulties on the show and things like that. But um, And I, yeah, I'm really excited for it to come back, but I don't know if I've had the kind of latch on moment. Um, but again, I wonder, is that because I've only had one season to binge, whereas every other show I've watched so far, I've been able to move on. Because if I'd watched Potomac the first season in a binge, I'd probably be like, I'm never watching this again. It's awful. So I'm excited to come back in season two and see where they pick up. But I just have no time. And I'm interested to see where Beverly Hills go with Erica. But I just have no time for them trying to like dance around the legal issues. And and again with Teresa, because I haven't seen it yet, I'm, I'm curious to see how they handle it. Um, I just think it's it's just stupid. And it's also like... 
it's just not genuine. You can't bring them all to a reunion and give like Ramona crap for not talking about her marriage falling apart because she's on a show about her life, but not hold Erica and Jen Shaw and people like that to the same standard to talk about legal proceedings that are like just being hugely publicized. So um, I'm interested to see how that plays out now that I'm kind of caught up and I'm watching it in real time. Yeah, I'm so curious how they'll handle it on both cities respectively because there's been all this talk of them filming um, the day Jen got arrested, basically. And then... Oh, I know. When they're, when they're on the trip and they're like, this is four days before she filed for divorce. I'm like, oh my God! <laughs> I know, and I love, like, I mean, it's been said, but I do find it so funny how in recent Beverly Hills episodes, like, they've just left in little small things like Erica going that's a workhorse honey and I'm like yeah he was working something all right like <laughs> not his own fucking money by the sounds of things they've done the person with the edit haven't they like showing the overflow closet and all like Bravo is yeah. aware that they are gonna have to cut ties at some point uh it's so it's really interesting to see how they're kind of partially like feeding nibbles to the dogs and they're waiting to see if they need to go all in yeah I'm really curious I think the problem with the legal stuff is like they can't be on the hook for like ugh, I don't know what the word is like not perjury but like when you kind of compromise a case or whatever like they can't be seen to like interrupt at legal proceedings but also they have these women in their midst who are as you say being publicly talked about and have headlines coming out about them so just how they'll be able to tell or not tell the story is and it's as you say like Jen Charles like on Instagram and like tagging herself with all the ladies and it's just like this it's is shocking. so weird it's so tone deaf isn't it like it's crazy but also like I know what you're saying about you know they have to be careful legally but I, I find it really curious then the way it's being kind of influenced the other way in that I saw that story where um they were saying that because uh, Erica revealed she was on antidepressants on the show that then allowed the like investigators to like look into something I'm not like up to date on the details sorry don't quote me on it but it was something that the fact that she revealed she was taking antidepressants on the show had an impact on the case that they could then investigate a certain aspect of her because she had revealed that on the show so I find it really interesting that as the show is airing investigators are watching it like the rest of us to see if she reveals details that can be used in the case against her husband and herself so yeah and also I think one thing I find very interesting about like Jen and Erica like regardless of how people feel about them and each case is slightly different and what's being alleged is slightly different in each case but like they're sort of doing the show regardless I'm assuming on some level because it pays and it's there it's a lot otherwise it might be their only like income of their own that they might have at the moment but like you're not guaranteed that the show is going to side with you or show your best because side like you know you might say well I'm going to go on the show and tell my side of the story but the show itself might still go yeah but we're going to undercut that or we're going to leave out things like it they're handing a lot of faith to production that I would argue is not warranted because production don't really owe you anything. Do you know, it's not like they have the smoking gun camera footage of here's proof that you were actually innocent because you were filming this scene at the time. It's like, it's kind of like they could edit you to look even worse. They could like, they could, but you know, they always take little sound bites and take them out of context around innocuous stuff. If they did that in the case of Jenna Erica on something serious, they could totally fuck them over. And I find that so funny that they, that's where I'm like, okay, I get why you're filming to have your paycheck. But like you were handing your life story over to someone else who may not have your back at all. Yeah, well, I guess if you think about characters like Jen and and Teresa, definitely from my perspective, and, and Erica as well, to maybe to a slightly lesser degree, um, they're all suffering from like main character syndrome. Like they're all narcissists. Like Teresa, like I, I'm really hoping that they rehab Teresa a little bit to me in the next few seasons because the venom I feel towards her right now is pretty strong she's delusional like she fully believes that she's done nothing wrong with her in her relationship with her brother and with Caroline and all this stuff where I am at the minute um and it's just shocking to me that the the, the evidence can be presented to her but she still doesn't see it and Jen Shaw is very similar like the way she's going on her Instagram saying the truth will come out and all this kind of stuff and, and <laughs> you know maybe there is truth that we don't know or whatever but they're all narcissists and have main character syndrome and I feel like they go into it ignorantly thinking that, you know, any skeletons they have aren't really skeletons. And if they come out, people won't buy it because I'm so nice. Like, it's it's just bizarre to me how they think that they can get away with it. Like, it's 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 just really... And I just think after Danielle said those comments about the number of, of people that Bravo pay that have kind of, you know, allegations against them or criminal history, when you see the names stacking up, you kind of wonder, like, are Bravo going to have to act on this? Are they going to have to respond to this? Like, you know, will Erica's the outcome of this trial and how it affects Erica, will that kind of 
impact the the franchise as a whole and the background not to be like carol ratsville but the background checking and all that kind of <laughs> stuff you know I, i'm just really interesting to see because it's similar to love island you know like with the the duty of care element in a way that you know w- when the calls got so loud and it became such a story that was now overshadowing the actual like crack on the show you know itv had to respond to it and they had to update their duty of care and they had to do all these things and and try and make the show try and respond to the criticisms of the show and and, and lessen the kind of backlash from the, from the public and um, so i'm just curious to see if bravo are going to do the same or are they going to say like stories like erica's are drawing in extra viewers that mightn't have been there before so let's keep them in so I'm, I, it's just interesting to see how the how the network will actually handle it as well yeah the sick part of me thinks they just hear numbers they just see ratings but it could you're right it could force a bit of a come to jesus moment but the way they've the way they've stayed behind Teresa all this time and she's still like kind no. of the nucleus nucleus of that show i don't know I, I i just i think beverly hills and salt lake city how they handle the story wise will will set a precedent i i think because yeah. at least with Teresa, i mean I agree with you in terms of like there was a naivety there, but she would just argue up and down. Yeah. My husband took me for a ride and particularly the way the last few seasons have gone where they've kind of shown how the rest of her family are still upset with her ex-husband about what he kind of actually did to the family. I think Teresa will always default to I just didn't know. Whereas I think with Jen and Erica, there's different levels of what do they know, what do they not? So yeah, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I loved Danielle Star back in the day, but sometimes when she goes off one, I'm like, you would throw like a knife wherever you could it would land you know so i'm a bit like she's also not the moral arbiter but i do also find it hilarious when she goes off on one because i'm like danielle you are you are truly terrifying yeah, like, you oh, are genuinely truly, scary truly violent like i yeah she's it's 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 unfortunate that she's the voice of this kind of commentary right now because yeah it, it just it's devalued because she's had her own backstory where she's yeah. not been the greatest, you know, upstanding citizen. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. And even and even watching the older seasons with Teresa, um, I find it really uncomfortable to watch. And look, Joe Judice gets a, a bad rap on the show anyway, rightfully so for a lot of the, a lot of the stuff. Like he's clearly a terrible guy on it. Like he's really not likable. Um, but it's it's really interesting to see how many times he's used a gay slur and Annie Cohen has brought oh. Teresa up on it at a reunion. And so that's happened where I am. It's happened twice now where he said something and Andy Cohen is the second time was season three reunion. And Andy was a little bit more forceful with her saying that, you know, just because he didn't mean it doesn't make it right. And now again, this season, he said something else and Teresa is excusing it in the re- in the diary room. And it, it's it's so frustrating to see her do that so many times pretend to Andy at the reunion that she didn't realize it was a problem and she's so sorry he didn't mean it and then go back out and do it again to know that she's still on the show I just feel like if that happened on a newer season there would be more of more of a consequence because I just don't think the viewers will put up with it anymore I just don't think um I suppose maybe that maybe the policing of it wasn't as as high back in like 2008 or 9 or whatever when that season was on but it's so uncomfortable to watch him say things like that and her excuse it away knowing that a huge part of the of the housewives audience are you know gay viewers like it's 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 very frustrating and it's annoying and i really really hope that andy hohen just tears her a new one at the season four reunion for it because it's on <laughs> it's just unforgivable now you can't apologize for it twice and continue to do it you're willingly then participating yeah there's like casual homophobia living on so many of these shows like even when i was talking to paul black recently he was saying about atlanta and we were like laughing at it but like it it's yeah and it's funny too when andy kind of tries to like pull them up on it and they're like oh yeah sorry but i mean that one clip that has i know you haven't seen the most recent season of jersey but they have pulled up that one clip of joe judy J calling Teresa the C word so many times as if to underline how awful he was to her all that time and it's like just I'd say the amount of stuff they have on him in a vault somewhere is vast that we haven't even seen I know I've actually just watched that episode that was the last episode I watched last night and I oh yeah again I'm just like how can you walk into a reunion and say like oh well it's just because you know if Joe doesn't get sex once a day he's really cranky like no Teresa this is not right that he's saying this and I, I just it's like, it is indefensible. There's so many things that go on these show and you're like, that's outrageous. And you're like, okay, relax. Like, you know, they're a bit wild, whatever. But stuff like that, you're like, how can you? Because I know she's with him for like another, what, five or six seasons. You're like, how are you still with this? Yeah. Like, it's just, 
it's crazy it's crazy yeah you've so much god you've so much ahead of you um <laughs> you mentioned love island there which obviously you're you're doing a podcast on for the new series you have done a podcast on in the past like how do the two shows in general compare like housewives is a different kind of format to love island but like how do they compare in terms of entertainment value and storytelling and how do you think the the fan bases and the fan conversation differs or, or is similar yeah they're very different i think i think the loyalty to them and, and the kind of community that forms around it is is probably similar in in its nature um but i guess love island is different in that it's a competition you know it, there is that element of of you know people being voted off and new people coming in and and that's not really an element um that you have on on the housewives other than kind of you know new cast members and things like that which is kind of dog eat dog in its own way um but it is it is different i guess I guess for me and and why I started the Love Island podcast and one of my favorite things to do on the podcast is kind of uh, I'm not to like over, you know, philosophize or whatever I can't say it now, but kind of to overindulge in it a little bit more than than I was. But I just think it's interesting to look beyond the story that's being kind of told. So you know, look into what producers might be doing here to change narratives and, you know, are they elevating certain characters in a, in a way that they want us to see them more, therefore like them more, therefore keep them there. Um, I find that really, really interesting. You, you know, last season there was a guy on it who who got torn apart um, because pictures of him hunting, was it elephants, I think, came out in like the first week um and the commentary online was naturally pretty venomous there was huge backlash calling on itv to get him out of the villa um and he was voted out but in the last episode or two itv very much rehabbed his image you could see them giving him a really nice edit really turning the conversation around on him and and you know i remember we had a discussion that night being like this was a very deliberate change of conversation so that when he would come out there wouldn't be this active venom towards him that that would have been softened hopefully a little bit with the way that he had been portrayed and his castmates had spoken about him um and i find that very interesting with housewives as well how you know and i think i think was it anna peel was talking about it how you know one season someone is made to be the kind of funny great crack we love her and then the next season they get the villain edit um like luann is a great example of that you, you know she's had in the last kind of five seasons i feel like she's had villain season good season villain season good season and and you're constantly like do i love luann or do i really hate luann and that's why you generally love her because she's always kind of interesting and always gets a response um, but I find that really interesting of how the production is angling certain people. Like I like Teresa again. I don't want to <laughs> the whole episode about Teresa because there's people I love a lot more than her and find more interesting. But the first few seasons, she was you know made to be this happy-go-lucky kind of ditzy, fun Italian New Jersey woman with this mad family and expensive taste. And now in the more recent series, she is being painted as this delusional, aggressive idiot like they really are leaning into that story so I I, and that's why I say like I hope they rehab her image because I'm very aware that it's because of how they're pulling clips and how they're piecing them together and 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 her own doing as well but it's I find that element of the of those kind of shows really interesting but definitely the fandom and and the kind of bravo community of content makers like yourself that you're now part of but all these kind of Instagram pages and and writers and stuff who just focus on housewives that's a different beast than Love Island, I feel. Like, like there's no dedicated kind of Love Island writers or, or, or things like that. Yes, you have podcasts like mine or whatever, but the Bravo universe of, of content creators and, and blogs and all this kind of stuff is just vast. And it's really interesting to watch it move. And in certain places can be really gross and really nasty. And in other places can be really interesting. That's, yeah, I suppose, I think Love Island, like in terms of the audiences in Ireland and the UK that watch it, I would argue probably... I'm sure it probably reaches more people, but I think because I say it's a competition and it has a certain kind of, we know it's going to be eight to 10 weeks or whatever, and there'll be a winner at the end and and then there'll be a break and it'll come back, you know, however many months later. Creates more of a fervor in the moment, but it stops the conversation rolling about it all the time. Whereas because there is always a housewife city on somewhere to some degree, like either two American ones and a spinoff in another country, or there's a time where there's like maybe four shows on, it invites a kind of constant obsession because there's never not one. And as you said, there's a back catalogue now as well. There's never not a city to be watching, basically. Yeah, I think I think it, there's an intensity about Love Island where it's every day. And there's definitely a feeling of, you know, people watch it loyally for the eight weeks. 
because they're going to, well, I mean, not now, but they're going to go into the office the next morning and everyone is going to be talking about it. And if you didn't watch it last night, tough titty, you got to move on. You're going to have to catch up tonight and watch and be in the chat tomorrow. And there is a sense of like urgency with Love Island, you know, that it, it's happening now. And if you miss it, there's just no point in rewatching it because the conversation is over. Um, So that is different, I guess, to Housewives because, and again, because it's this competition and it's coupling up and it's changing by the day. Um, you kind of have to keep that active follow. But when the season ends, I don't really care about any of the Islanders after the season. Like when people message me being like, oh, do you see they split or whatever? Like it doesn't really interest me once they're not in the villa. I'm like, cool, live your lives, whatever. Whereas Housewives, because they follow their lives and, you know, their family relationships and kids and, and all this kind of stuff, businesses and all this kind of stuff. It's more of like an ongoing life check-in. So I feel like you're kind of, it's a slower pulse, but you're constantly plugged in but there's not this feeling of kind of this urgency to watch it, um, which is nice. It's nice to kind of feel a part of a general conversation all of the time about this kind of, I don't know, this kind of universe of, of content that operates kind of separately to, to a lot of other stuff. So um, I guess it's different in that way. Um, but I really enjoy that pacing of it. Like I'm, I'm really liking the week to week and the commentary on Twitter and, and, interviews coming out days later that still impact kind of something that happened two seasons ago and things like that it's funny you said there how like you know obviously people leave love island and they they have story like there's lots of people who leave the show and they become very famous and they do other things so there is a conversation about a lot of these people after and a lot of them have massive followings on social media but like i don't know it, like is there a difference in how the love island people are trying to maintain their fame without the show underneath them. Whereas on Housewives, presuming you're on a show for multiple seasons, even in the off season, there probably is more interest in you from that audience. Like there's some people on Love Island that book the trend. Like Maura is someone that I would, I would find, you know, when her and Curtis split up, I was interested in reading that. And, you know, I, you know, if she, whatever my, I, she's one of those people that I do kind of keep keep up to date on. And if, if a news breaks about her, I'll read it or whatever. But the majority of them I just don't it doesn't really bother me because and not that they're not living interesting lives or doing interesting things like fair play get your boohoo deal good on you fair play but I just don't I don't know the show to me is interesting because I like to see how people operate in those situations um I like the romance of it as well which look you might roll your eyes at me for saying that but I do like that element of it um, but when they come out of it, it's just a different thing. And when you've all these outside forces, then it's it's like a different conversation. In the villa, they're kind of secluded and it's this group of people and it's really interesting. And, you know, let's drop new people in or whatever. It just doesn't appeal to me. Whereas with Housewives, you know, w- what they're doing when they're not filming is essentially a, is a continuation of what they're doing when they're filming. You know, it's the same thing. So it's 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 like if a story breaks when say Jen Shah when she was arrested and it wasn't we weren't watching the episodes. If they weren't filming, you'd still be reading up on it, going, "Oh my god, this is so interesting" because it's giving me context for when they come back, or it's giving context to what I saw last season. Whereas Love Island's kind of different in that way. So I, I guess it's kind of hard to compare those things. Um. And I just, I think as well, like you see it with, I know Giselle does that Bravo show, was it the chat or whatever it is with- The chat room, yeah. Yeah, with like some of the other stars, some of the other Bravo stars where they chat about different Bravo shows. And, you know, I definitely feel a pull to start watching like Below Deck and, and you know, um, Summer House and things like that. Um, I'm not there yet because I'm definitely very much like on a housewife's buzz, but there is this kind of pull into this universe of, of people. And, you know, even seeing BravoCon come back this year, that now has relevance to me. So what's going to happen at that? Who's going to be there? And is there going to be drama and all this kind of stuff? It's different because that's all stuff that you'd see on the show anyway. So I guess it's it's not comparable in that way with Love Island. Yeah, and in a, in a horrible way, it's probably harder for the Love Island stars after the show because it's left to them and hopefully a good agent or hot pairing on another random show. Whereas Housewives, if you're in it, it becomes like it's tied to your life. Yeah, it's just it's just funny because I see people talk about Love Island stars and I'll go on their socials and they have such massive followings. And like to me, not they're not nobodies. I get that they have a following, but I have no connection to them. Whereas I'm on like the Instagram page of some real housewife with maybe 300,000 followers. And I'm like, what is she at? What does she do? Like, yeah. so I understand the interest, but it's not my world so I'm just always so fascinated by how they have to try and maintain a career after the show because it seems to be like vlog skinny tea do a boohoo collab yeah. like there does seem to be like certain routes that a lot of them tend to go down I mean even for example I think like Luann has something like does she have like 750,000 followers on Instagram or something like that and she's been on 
New York. Yeah. Her time. So that's been like over 10 years she's been on The Real Housewives of New York. And I remember when, say, Maura and Molly May's season of Love Island was on. And just as the show had ended, I remember writing a piece that Molly May had hit 1 million followers on Instagram. And that was after eight weeks of being on our screens. And Luann has been on our screens for 10 years in the US where the audience is bigger and all that kind of stuff. And it's, and it's, you know, it's aired worldwide. I know Love Island is two in a way, but it's just interesting how it took someone like Luann 10 years to get to like three quarters of a million. And in eight weeks, Molly May was able to crack up a million followers. Like it's just, but I think you're, you're appealing to a different audience, I guess, in that um, Housewives is more diverse. It's, it's not targeting a very specific genre, a very specific age group um, in a very specific way. Whereas Love Island is, it's really hammering home at that one kind of area. And if people come in from outside of that, great, but they're not fishing for your eyes, you know? So it's just, it's very interesting to see the kind of social clout that comes with Love Island when really in three years time, still with her million view, like followers, are you going to care? Probably not. The time has come. This is a question I like to ask fans who have been watching for decades, fans who started watching in the last few months. And I have a feeling with the number of episodes you've put away, (laughs) you'll have plenty of thoughts for this. But what would your housewife's tagline be? I have struggled with this for weeks. I'm not joking because I hadn't actually, I've had these conversations with people about like, oh, you've always had a tagline. I've never actually thought of like what my tagline would be until you asked me. Um, and I sent it out in the money tree. I was like, any of my friends who are watching it, my cousin Dan, I was like, help me. Like, I don't, I need guidance here. Um, and my thought process was, okay, I'm see- this is my first season. I need to give like an introduction to me. It needs to be something about me that might differentiate me from other housewives. But it also needs to kind of paint a picture of like, you know, drama and shade and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, how do I kind of do that? So I have one. And then I also want to mention... <laughs> One that my cousin wrote for me, which I just think is funny and worth worth a laugh. So the one I think I would go with for like my first season on a on a Housewives City would be I might like girls, but I don't play well with bitches. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's good, and it's letting you know LGBT representation Housewives is important. We don't have enough of it. We don't have enough that's... of it. But yeah, I, I think I just wanted to have like something that's like, oh, that's that's something about her but also it's like setting me up for like you know a a fight like I'm gonna be drama (laughs) I'm gonna get stuck in (laughs) you could even say like I may be gay but I don't play (laughs) (laughs) I had like brain bubbles on a piece of paper what can I do and yeah like I have to say my cousins because I just he needs the shout out so my my mom is from Tipperary I'm from Cork my mom is from Tipperary but there's always this joke of like no you're from Tipperary too which is just kind of the background here <laughs> he was like I mm-hmm. might be from Tip but don't think they less of me <laughs> <laughs> little one for the Irish fan there Connor <laughs> anyone from Thurless is so happy not they less of me <laughs> so yeah it's so hard though isn't it like it's not an easy thing like come up with your tagline because I feel like it, it's got to be something specific to you but also kind of fits in with the other women and like I love um Kathy Wakili on New Jersey her first season was something like uh everyone says I'm nice but don't mess with me and it, it, was, <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was like the Bravo producers were like come on Kathy get a bit feistier and she was like yeah don't mess with me and it was just funniest thing like so I was trying to strike strike a good balance I still love I don't even know who it is on Cheshire because I've just seen the clip of it on Twitter like kind of out of context who goes a lot of people want to be me I am me (laughs) (laughs) I think of it all the time it's so stupid some of them are ridiculous and like I look forward to the taglines being released as much as like a trailer almost because I'm just really interested to see what people do and there was one season of New York I think it might have been the first season of, um, you know, I might not be smart, but I'm pretty. That Chris was that Kristen. Kristen, Kristen or, yeah. yeah, I think it was the first season she was on it, and I remember watching the first tagline intro for that season, being like, "This is chaotic." It was like Sonia said something about like taking it up the ass. Like it was just chaotic. I put it up on my Twitter at the time, being like, "Is this like?" <laughs> serious like or is this a piss take is this an snl sketch that i don't know about like some of them are brilliant and then you have some seasons that are just so disappointing like beverly hills i just feel like is so bland like you know how many times can i say like diamond and this town and and you know all this kind of stuff it's just yeah but other cities do it really well 
Yeah, they're they're a work of art, the taglines. You've come through with some strong ones today. I mean, a lot of people do fall at this hurdle, so I'm impressed. Thanks, Connor. That means so much <laughs> to me. That means so much to me. All right. The next big question that we have to delve into is you're throwing a housewife's dinner party tomorrow. You can invite five people, be they housewives themselves, friends of, husbands, side characters, whoever you like from the world of the housewife cinematic universe, as some people call it. Um, who are you inviting and why? Like to say this is impossible because there's there's so many it depends what you want the outcome to be I feel like if you want to like have a nice time and have a laugh and like make some friends then it's like a certain like list of people and then if you want to like air out drama and like see like deep-rooted issues in the flesh it's a different group and I literally wrote down I wrote down everyone from all the shows I watched that I thought could be could fit into any of those categories and I have 32 names like that's how many people I was like (laughs) dinner with like I think there's a really interesting dinner with Caroline Dina and Teresa I think there's a really interesting dinner with like Rinna and Kim Richards like there's so many people and then there's part of me that I'm like I'd love to have Faye Resnick at my dinner I'd love to have Melania at my dinner because she's just the demon child and I adore her like there's so I I find it impossible to narrow it down to five, but I'm gonna I'm gonna quickly pick five that I think would be my top. So I would like to have mm-hmm. Kyle there because, and I know like Gracie O'Connell came on and was just like venting about how much she hates Kyle, and I really <laughs> appreciate that point of view. But I also really appreciate how Kyle is like an OG, like good energy. She's got a gorgeous family. She's also been like the kind of center point for a lot of conversation. Um, So I'd like to have her there. I would like to have Bethany Frankel there because I just think again, she, I feel like she'd spill some goss, you know what I mean? I feel like, but it would be very controlled goss that wouldn't blow back on her. I think she'd be very smart about what she'd share with you and her and Kyler mates. So that would mean there's like a chill vibe there. I'd like to have Karen Huger there because the Grand Dame should always be at a dinner party. And I just, I'd love to see what she'd wear. I feel like she'd get stupidly dressed up to come over to my house and have a McDonald's. Do you know what I mean? I just feel like it would be, it would be glamorous. I'm going to have, I'm going to have Faye Resnick there because I really just like would like to talk to the morally corrupt Faye Resnick and just, I just think she's like, I just think she's great. And she's kind of one of those characters that's crossed so many areas of, of entertainment for me, like keeping up with the Kardashians and then like, you know, watching documentaries about the OJ Simpson trial and all this kind of stuff. Like Connie Britton played her. She needs to be up on their party. And then I think I'd have Kathy Wakili there, which might be a really random choice, but I just feel like she'd bring a load of nice cakes and stuff and she'd be lucky <laughs> and just, I think she'd be really nice. But there's li- the list is just like, I-, I find it funny of all the names I wrote down, I didn't write a single name from Salt Lake City, which I think says a lot. Um, and I wrote the entire like first season or second season cast of Roni. So Luan, Ramona, Sonia, Bethany, Jill and Alex, not Kelly, because <laughs> I cannot handle Kelly. Um, but yeah, there's there's too many is the answer, Connor. There's too many. Is that a cop out? No, well, you gave us you gave us a list. So that's some people just go, oh, and then they add like eight names. And I'm like, is that too many? I'm like, oh, it's fine. It's not like we're actually, we have a table for six <laughs> and we can only take so many numbers. Um, so you've watched a lot of Housewives in a short space of time and you started out with the shows were on Netflix. So if people were maybe had done the Netflix thing for certain shows, like let's just say they've only watched Beverly Hills. Where would you direct them to next on their Housewives scholarship? Yeah, me, um, me and Louise McCharry were talking about this because she she was talking about like blow-ins to the, the Real Housewives franchise and I felt very much, not in a nasty, she wasn't being nasty or anything, just to preface that she was obviously being lovely. <laughs> he does anything but nasty. Um, But I was saying that I was a blow-in and I feel like on a podcast like this as well, I would like to represent the blow-ins who came in the last year um, and I was breaking it down like kind of my roadmap to where I'd start because I get a lot of people messaging me like you know where do I dive in this it's so vast I know Fanula Jones was saying that to you as well that it, she was just so intimidated by how many episodes there were um, and I guess if on the assumption that everyone has a Netflix subscription and they're maybe hesitant to download something else for now and they want to just see I would probably start with Beverly Hills because I think it's an OG season that you might recognize people from. It'll be in a familiar setting, kind of Beverly Hills, like the glamour of LA and all that kind of stuff. 
Um, and I think the first season is really strong. Second season's really strong. Like they've got a really good introductory four seasons there on Netflix. New York gets way better than Beverly Hills does, I think. So I think that the long run is stronger. But the first few seasons, the first season especially, I think is so weak that it might put you off continuing. So I would start with Beverly Hills. Then I would probably go to New York because it's on Netflix. Um, I can't really comment on Atlanta because I haven't watched enough of it. But from there... I would probably go to something like Potomac because I feel like, like me, you mightn't want to watch another like 13 seasons of a show. And Potomac is five, so it's short enough, but there's enough there for you to get stuck in. Then I'd probably go to New Jersey um, because I think there's a lot happening with New Jersey conversation at the minute, which would be quite interesting to follow. And then I'd probably go to Salt Lake City and get it in quickly before season two comes back. Um, but that's probably what I do. I've bro- I've broken it down on Instagram. So if anyone wants to talk about it in detail, find me there. Um, but yeah, I think that's what I would do. But there's no bad way to watch it. Like it's all class. You know what I mean? Like there's no bad way to watch it. And what about you then? So you're midway through Jersey. Like do you have a show or a city you're looking at next? I think I'm going to go back to Atlanta next. Um, I think, I just think it's one of those shows that's referenced a lot in commentary about the franchise in general um and i think that's kind of an aspect of the sh- of the show and the the and bravo's history that i don't have enough information on um so i would like to get that in because then i think i have like you know I, I, orange county never really appealed to me and everyone always says it to me like you never talk about orange county or why you should watch that it's the original you should watch it it never i don't know may, maybe i'm sleeping on it but I, it just never really appealed to me there's no one on the show that I feel like is a star that I'm kind of aware of myself separately from it. Like, you know, Atlanta has your Nene leaks and people like that. Bethany Frankel. I mean, Bethany Frankel to me was a woman who used to do segments on Ellen DeGeneres making baby food. Like that's how I knew about Bethany Frankel <laughs> before I started watching the mm-hmm. franchise. Um, and there's something about Orange County. I just never felt like, I don't know. Am I missing a trick? Should I, should I dive in? I just don't know. I feel like fake telling you to, to watch it in a way because I haven't seen like the first 10, 11 seasons. Like I came on the season that they went to Ireland. I started watching oh that God. season from the start, like weekly. <laughs> so like, I know some of the key, like, like Tamara and Vicky are kind of iconic OC housewives who are no longer on the show. Like, and Vicky is kind of the first ever, she's in the first series of the first city and she stayed on housewives for like 14 years. So like, there are people who are important. I know people who have watched OC rave about it, but I know what you mean about not being drawn to it. I actually feel like that sometimes. I think it's, I don't know. It's, I will, I I would like to do an OC deep dive properly, but I can understand why it doesn't appeal to people. And, uh, and, you know, they definitely took a few seasons to find their, yeah, I heard, I heard talk me. about that in a previous episode that there was definitely kind of a lackluster vibe to it at certain points. Um, I just, yeah, I feel like Atlanta, I feel like there's more, there's more culturally uh, kind of important moments in that show that I feel like I'm aware of than I am with OC. And I, I'm probably going to watch Miami at some point because I'm really interesting, interested to see the reboot because I'm really interested to see Larsa Pippen and, and people like that. So I, I'll probably watch that next, I imagine. Dallas I'll get to. Um, like I'm determined to watch all of the US ones, I feel. So I'll get there eventually. It's just going to be a slightly slower pace now because I can leave my house. You know what I mean? Speaking of reality TV, and we've talked about Love Island, but you are gearing up to bring back my pod and paper. What can you tell us about the podcast and what we can expect this season? I mean, obviously we don't know what's going to happen on Love Island, but you know what I mean? And people keep messaging me being like, oh, you're so excited. You must be buzzed. Um, it doesn't feel real. I, f- I feel like because it's been gone for so long, um, it doesn't feel real. And because it's such an intense project that we work on for like eight weeks solid and then it's off for like the next, you know, um, 44 weeks of the year. Um, like I forget how to do it. Like I'll have to listen back to old episodes and be like, Jesus, how do I talk about this again? And like, what do we do on this show? And um, so, but I'm, I'm excited to see how they manage COVID. I really hope that it's not super present constantly because it's just, we're at a point now I feel like here as well where it's like, you know, that light at the end of the tunnel is dim, but it's there. And I just, I just don't want to dive into Love Island then and be like sucked back into, you know, that kind of world. Um, But I do want to see it referenced. I know you've spoken about that on here as well with Housewives about like, I know it was, was it Atlanta that you were saying that they were kind of referencing it, but New Jersey just totally didn't reference it at all. Yeah. Yeah. So I definitely want to see COVID referenced. I don't want it to be like a character on the show. Um, I'm excited to see. It's interesting to me because, you know, 
these are people I become obsessed with for eight weeks. Like I become obsessed with them. I feel like I'm psychoanalyzing them at every step of the of their journey. Um, and they're people I don't know right now, which I feel is, is, I always think is really interesting. They're strangers to me now. And in like four or five weeks time, I'm going to know so much about these people and feel like an inherent access to them. Um, so yeah, I'm excited and I'm really excited to have like Love Island fans back to talk about the show and, and the community of it and the chat online and, and all that kind of stuff, which is just great. And I, I, I feel like you probably have that with this podcast as well. Just that conversation about, about it and, which is lovely. Mm-hmm. It's so nice. And, um, and especially after a year of being quite isolated, it's be, it'll be really nice to have. And I've had that quite a, mo- quite a bit actually with housewives on, on Instagram and Twitter. And um, just a few people that I'm like, oh, I'm always chatting to these people about the show. And that's really nice. And I'm, I'm excited for that with Love Island. So yeah. And I'm, I'm really, really, really excited. I, I, it doesn't feel real, but I am, I'm really excited. And I, I can't wait to get back into the swing of it. Cause it's just, it's so rewarding and so much crack just talking to people about a show that you love, you know. And if people want to, like, I suppose, stay up to date with when your podcast is back or um, like it'll air. So you'll be doing an episode kind of recapping that night's episode that will come out the morning after. Is that the plan? We So we record, we sit down and watch the show. We record straight after the show finishes and we upload straight that straight after. Wow. So the new episodes are usually up kind of between midnight and 1 a.m. every night. The show um so yeah it's pretty it's it's pretty quick turnaround but it's great and I I, I feel like that adds to like I don't know I, I, I think it's what kind of makes us a bit different because I know ITV's podcast it's like the next morning it comes out and it's shorter and they, they don't get into it as much whereas I feel like when you're fresh off the back of an episode and you hear the credits roll you're like oh my god I can't believe this happened and then we just go and it's 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 quick and it's intense and it's it's great, but it's lovely then when I'm on my way home from the studio at like one o'clock in the morning and there's someone who's like just coming home from their night shift and they've started listening to it and they're like, I'm just listening now on my way home from work. And I'm like, this is crazy. Like it's so mm-hmm. it's fun. So yeah, we upload every night. We, we try and have it up by 1am every night. Um, and we're on like all the usual podcast platforms um, and we're on social media as well. My pot and paper, if people want to want to tune in there as well. And I suppose they could subscribe or follow the show now so that when it's back, It'll be just lying in wait oh, on their mobile do. devices. Please do. If you'd like to subscribe and like and do all those buttony things, please do. We always appreciate it. It's always great to have new new listeners and stuff. So yeah, no, absolutely do. Um and all and we always are like as well, is there people that we don't know are like obsessed with this show that I don't know of? And you know, who should I be talking to about this show? Because sometimes you have your echo chamber of people that you kind of listen to about this stuff and then you're missing out on, you know, really great commentary from other people. So um, yeah, I'm really excited. And I think Love Island, the UK series has kind of expanded so much in the last couple of years. You know, it's US viewers are so much that that audience is so much bigger for the show now. And, and, and you know, we see a lot of a lot of listeners in the US and Canada and Australia, and which is just really interesting to see that, you know, this show that's very like British, really, like we, we might have an Irish star on it. We might like if we're lucky. Um, but generally, it's a very UK based show, but it's got this global appeal. Um more so than any of the spin-offs have, which is really interesting. And if people want to follow you on social media, where can they do that? You can find me at Orla Condon on Twitter and Instagram and all those places. Um, usually talking shite about telly. So very similar to this. <laughs> all right. So people can find your podcast and social and they can find you there. Um, I mean, Orla, I feel like I'm talking to you the calm before the storm. Like then, you know, it's about your life is about to be turned upside down for eight weeks. So before that happens, I'm very glad that you got to come on Housewives and Me today. Thanks for joining thank us. Thank you so much. And thank you for this like glorious podcast as a new viewer of the Housewives franchise. It's been so nice to hear people who've watched it since the beginning talk about their experience of watching the show and how it's changed and it's definitely given me like a new understanding of different series and aspects of the show that maybe I didn't know as someone who's kind of raced through it so thank you Connor it's been lovely listening to all these episodes that's very kind you're very sweet well listen Orla thanks so much for talking to me and everybody we have to be checking out my pot and paper when that returns yes that was Orla Condon here on Housewives Me. Don't forget, you can get brand new podcast episodes of her show, My Pod and Paper, which of course covers Low Island this season, which I think is going to be an absolute sensation. As I'm recording this, the first episode hasn't aired, but by the time this goes out, we'll be kicking off the new season. And I think people are 
sweating for a bit of Love Island because whatever happens at reopenings and this and that, there's something about Love Island that just screams summer for people, doesn't it? So I'll put links in the show notes for you to find that podcast if you haven't had a chance to hear it yet. And of course, where you can find Orla on social media as well. If you liked what you heard today and you're listening on Apple Podcasts, you can leave a rating and a review. It really helps the show get out there. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, you can now follow the show. They've updated the whole interface, which... I have my issues with. We won't get into that now. But you can follow the show wherever you get your podcasts as well. You can find us on social media at Housewives and me on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm on those platforms as well as It's Connor Bean. So you'll find me there. All those links are in the show notes as always. So thank you very much for listening. I hope you're well. And until next time, stay safe and I'll talk to you soon.